Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that your word never returns void. And so we bring our hearts before you and we pray, Lord God, speak to us. Lord God, transform us, Lord God, by the word. Lord God, where we are dry, where we need direction, where we need encouragement, where we need clarification, whatever it is, healing, Lord God, anything, Lord God, we we ask now that your word would bring it and transform us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. My name is Roger, one of the pastors here. And uh, before the first service, we had a prayer meeting. And at the end of the prayer meeting, I looked at the people in the prayer meeting, and I got all emotional, and I said to them, I love you. And uh, I just have come to realize that I don't tell people enough that I love them. And um, I'm not here as often as I used to be. So I just thought, I really do love all these people, not just the ones in the prayer meeting, but all you guys as well. So on behalf of Nicola and I, we just want to say, we really love you guys. We love this community. Oh, thank you. Many years ago when I was still in business, I had the privilege of being part of a social development upliftment program in conjunction with Saika called Tutuka in the Eastern Cape. And we did the launch right close to the great Nelson Mandela Madiba's ancestral home. And uh, we asked him if he would come and attend. And it was a bit of a, like, let's try. And he said, yes, he would come. And uh, we were so excited. And, and he said, look, he'll be late, but he'll come. No problem. So glad that you're coming. And so he came, and it was incredible. And he came late, but then he told everybody, you know, this thing about coming late, you mustn't do it. <laughs> it takes a really great man who can come late and then tell other people not to be late. <laughs> And we all said, yes, we won't be late. What struck me was the way he was received as he came to his hometown. There was joy, there was affirmation, there was a receiving, there was like, we'll never be late again, we promise. (laughs) I want to look at a passage of scripture about when Jesus came to his hometown. Mediba was received with great honor. I want us to look at this passage in Scripture in Matthew, in our final um, four weeks of Matthew. And it says, And coming to his hometown, which was Nazareth, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished. And they said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? He was moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was preaching powerfully. There's also gifts and healings. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And not are all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. The word is literally scandalized. They were scandalized. And, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. And he did not do many works there because of their unbelief. What's so interesting about this passage of Scripture is that they recognized his works. They recognized, it says that they were astonished. And they said, where did he get these, this wisdom and these mighty works? So they, they believed, but they didn't believe. And what was it? What was the problem? Or what was the missing factor? 
I believe it related to this word honor. They didn't receive him as they should. They didn't receive him properly. They didn't honor him. And so because they didn't honor him, they didn't receive all that he had. We all experience moments where we go into places and um, we know that we're with people who love us, who think we're great, and they get the very best from us. We're relaxed. We tell funny jokes. We're not awkward. They get the best of us. And we all know the other, the, the, the reciprocal, or the inverse rather, where we go into places where we're not received. So, you know, our throats close up and um, we tell our worst jokes and nobody laughs and <laughs> it's just a disaster. They didn't receive what Jesus had for them because they did not honor him. They could have had so much more. And I want to talk to you today about this key of honor, that as we honor Jesus, it becomes a key to miracles. It becomes a key to so much more in our lives. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. That's by grace through faith. But if you want more of Jesus, if you want more of what God has for you, it comes via honor. Did Jesus have favorites? We know that John describes himself as the beloved disciple or the beloved apostle. And why was that? It was because he pressed in. He was the one who was leaning against Jesus. If you want all that Jesus has for you, you've got to press in. Don't be one of these people who lives their life kind of just saved, but you're actually miserable because you're doing it by your own strength the whole time. But be one of those people who honors God and so receives the fullness of his blessings for your life. During worship, some of us nearly became charismatic roadkill because the children were here with their flags. So flags were being waved. And I was just thinking about it. It's awesome to raise your flag on a Sunday. It's fantastic, you know. Just raise your flag, raise your hands, raise whatever. But how many of us come Monday, we drop our flag, and no longer are we honoring him? So what is honor? Greek word tima, it's about a heart attitude. And it refers to the value that we place on someone. It means to revere. It means to esteem to the highest degree. It means to defer by virtue of rank. Can we be a people who receive Jesus and really honor him? It's not just about getting to heaven, but it's walking in the fullness of what God has for us. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul's imparting to the church in Corinth, and he talks about Israel and that they were moving in idolatry and they weren't in the fullness of God. And then he says this to them, and we use the word honor and glory interchangeably because it can be translated into both. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do everything that you do for the glory of God. A couple of verses later, verse 33, it says, so that many might be saved. The reason why we honor God in everything, how we live our lives, is that people might see Jesus. That people might see a transformed life and hope might come into their hearts. 
and they might put their faith in him as well. Can we be people who honor God in everything? That we do everything to the glory of God. When, um, when Nicola and I first got married, our friends were getting these incredible prophetic words. And uh, so we were really excited. And, and words that had gone before were things like, you're going to be an apostle to the nations. And somebody else got, you're going to be an evangelist that's going to touch Africa. And, you know, so we were really excited. And uh, it was our wedding. And on the day we got this prophetic word, and it went something like this. You're going to be an example of practical Christian living. And I was like, <laughs> is that all? <laughs> Could I get another prophet, please? <laughs> At first, I was disappointed. And the more I meditated on it in the days, months, years that have gone by, the more I've said, Lord, if I can be that, and I'm not all there, but if I can be more and more and more and more like that, if I can be like a little diamond that God's light can shine on and doesn't matter which angle you look at me, you see Jesus. Wow, that'll be the greatest thing. The Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, I've shared this with some of you before, he speaks about worship, and he says there's four components in worship. There's a stage, I'm standing on it. There's the musicians and the worship crew. There's a worship director, Belinda, and there's an audience, all of us who are sitting down. And Soren Kierkegaard says, it's completely wrong. We're seeing worship upside down. He says the stage is not here, but the stage is the whole church. And it's actually more than that. The stage is the whole world. That's the stage. And the worshipers are not those people with microphones. It's not those people with instruments. But all of us are in the worship team. All of us are in the worship team. And the director is not Belinda, but it's the Holy Spirit who causes us to worship the Father as we should. And who's the audience? It's God. So it changes everything. Instead of going to church and after church while you're having your coffee, you go like, well, how is worship for you? You go, well, ah, didn't really work for me, you know. I prefer faster, slower, African, English, whatever songs. The question we should ask now is, did worship work for God? Was he touched? Did my worship as a worshiper, did it touch his heart? Did I bring my best? Did I honor him? Or was I like distracted by whatever? We are called to do everything, whether we eat, drink, or whatever we do. We are called to do for the honor and for the glory of God. Way before there was one-to-one -one in Purple Book, and I really hope that you've been through one-to-one -one or Purple Book at some stage in your life. Um, the church, in making disciples, had something called catechisms. Anybody been through catechism class? Okay, some of you. The rest of you are like, what is that? Okay. So catechism class was to teach people basic discipleship. And yes, different churches did it better and some quite worse. But, <laughs> but, but there was a question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is a great, great theological document. And the question is asked, and they would ask, and they would train the people, this is the question, what's the answer? What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. 
That is the purpose of my life and your life. We should be living our lives in such a way that everything is for His honor and for His glory. And He has captured our hearts. Now, one of my heroes in the Bible is David. And David arrives in the valley of Elah, and Goliath is doing his thing. And the army of Israel is terrified. And something stirs in David. Now, there's many arguments as to what made David great. You know, that he was a poet, that he worshipped God. But this passage of Scripture speaks to me so powerfully. Is that he was concerned about the honor and the glory of God. We read it. David speaking. He says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He's concerned about the honor of God. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your heads. Cut off your head. This very day, I will give, you to the, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear or by David that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. David is described as a man after God's own heart. David is described as a man who fulfilled the purpose of God. David was a man who was passionate about the honor and the glory of God's name. I suggest, I propose to you, that we reorientate our lives and we say, my life is to glorify God. My life is to honor Him. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then what? Then all these things will be added. So I've been serving the Lord full on since I was 18. I'm 55 now. And I have seen the miracle and the wonder of people who choose to say, it's not about me, it's about God. How everything else comes to them. But then I've seen those people who choose their own glory and choose their own honor and how there's no fulfillment in their life. Have you ever done this? You're in a crisis. You're in a time of need. It's exam time or it's tender time or it's promotion time or it's find a wife time. And you cry out to God for breakthrough. Lord, I can't do this without you. Come through for me, Lord. I will love you forever, Lord. Just, just bless me. And then he blesses you. And he answers your prayer. And then people go and say, wow, that's impressive. You know? Good promotion, good job, good wife, whatever. And you go like, well, that's just the way I am. You know? <laughs> and at that moment where you should be giving him honor and glory, you're like, you're like this black hole, just suck all the glory and honor onto yourself. We are called to honor him. And at those moments of promotion, at those moments of success, we are called to honor him. Why do we honor God? Friends, I'm not the Makula boss, and neither are you. Okay. Jesus Christ is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from amongst the dead, so that in everything, Jesus Christ might have the supremacy. 
uh, international leader, Steve Moore, in one of his books, tells a story about having this showdown with his son at the refrigerator. And he's saying to him, no, you can't eat, I forget, like more dessert at 10 o'clock at night. And he says to his son, who's the boss? And his son goes, you and me, daddy. <laughs> and we all do that. Who's the boss? Uh, you and me, God. We both, you know. Depends on how I feel, we decide. But in truth, we should honor him with every aspect of our lives because he's the head. And secondly, apart from him, we are nothing. And we can't do anything. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Going back to my example of you pray for breakthrough. You pray for, for blessing and it comes. Continue being tapped into the source. Continue honoring him. Because as you honor him, there's a continuous flow of life. And there's a continuous flow of blessing. There's so much more in God. In my devotion this morning, I was repenting to the Lord. Because I just felt like in some areas of my life, I had limited him. Limited his revelation. Limited what he had for me. There's so much more, but we've got to stay tapped in. And we access it through honor. Three things to understand about honoring God. First and foremost, it's not about the outward. It starts first and foremost, in the heart. He's dealing with the religious people, like people who come to church, people who come to synagogues. The Pharisees, he says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. When I've been drifting from God, when I've realized that my heart is not where it should be, one simple answer is repent. One simple answer, confess. And ideally even get somebody to pray for you. But can we get our hearts right? And can we change it being about us and our success and our objectives? And can we make it about his objectives and about his honor? Secondly, honoring means worshiping him in spirit and in truth. He says to them, in vain do they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. We are called to be led by the Holy Spirit in everything we do. We are called to see all of life as the stage, and we are called to worship Him at every moment. And honoring God means obeying His Word. Now, yes, there's grace where we've sinned. There's mercy as we, as we confess. But God wants to take you out of a place of being caught and bound up in sin and take you to a place of victory, take you to a place of obedience to his word, take you to a place of honoring him in all things. Now, when it comes to honoring him, I love what Anne Dillard said, and she's a Pulitzer Prize winner, and she said the following, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What your day consists of, what your Monday and your Tuesday and how you live your life every day, that is your life. And the truth of it is we can honor God and are meant to honor God in everything, in what is seen by men and what is unseen. In other words, only seen by God. We are called to honor Him in when we receive things and we are called to honor Him by giving and couple of examples. We are called to honor God by 
giving of our substance. Now, I don't know if you tithe or not. I don't want to know. God bless you. I hope you do. But you know, our giving comes before the Lord as a fragrance. It comes before the Lord as a, as a fragrant offering, our tithes and offerings, as do our prayers. It's not like you have to pray. It's because you love Him, and you want more of Him, and you're in relationship with Him. And we honor God in an unseen way. The truth of the matter is, if you never pray, we'll eventually notice it as pastors. I mean, it'll leak out. We'll be able to see that you are non-prayer. I mean, we won't tell you. You'll know. We'll know. It just will be, it'll be the elephant in the room. So it's unseen, but we honor Him by giving time to Him. I have so appreciated my boys being home this last weekend and just that they want to spend time with me. And the revelation is how much more does the Father want to spend time with me? You know, you honor God by taking a Sabbath. Remember the essence of, of Sabbath, and I understand Jesus is our Sabbath, and I understand the real Sabbath is a Saturday, but it's a sabbatical principle. And you know what resting is? It's saying, I'm not going to graft seven days a week, but I'm going to honor God by taking one day out of seven where I'm not going to work, and I'm going to recognize that everything comes from Him. So I so encourage you, if you don't take a Sabbath, that you start to recognize that it's a way to honor Him. Taking a Sabbath is actually a faith statement. Your stance towards the Word, your reading of it, your receiving of it, God's love letter to you, how you do it makes a massive difference as to whether you honor Him or not. Is it like, well, you know, I like this and I like Oprah Winfrey? <laughs> I pray not. I pray that you recognize this is God's commandment, His promises, and even His commandments are there to protect you and to provide for you. How, you're, how are you in terms of your relationships? 1 John 4 says, we can't say that we love God and hate our brother. We can't be in great relationship with God and be honoring Him when we are treating those around us with disrespect. We are treating those around us badly. The Word of God makes it clear that if you have something against your brother, go to them. And in fact, our brother's names and our sister's names should always be safe on our lips. How you go about work and how you go about ministry should not be when people can see what you're doing, but it should be when God sees, and that's all the time, that we do it for His honor, for His glory. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now, there's a Christian commune in California, and they say this, that little statement at the bottom. It's as you walk into the kitchen. It says, everyone wants a revolution. No one wants to do the dishes. <laughs> we'll all go do dishes afterwards, okay? <laughs> We're called to change the way we see things and recognize that it's not just the big things that are seen, but it's the small things as well that count. When you wake up in the morning, are you like Jesus, that you hear the Father say, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased? Do you start the morning 
in his presence, enjoying him? Or, or do you reach for your phone to check what's happened on the Shanghai Index? Or do you reach to check out what's happening on Instagram or Facebook, whatever your favorite social media is? Do you wake up and enjoy God? Because how you wake up in your first 10, 15 minutes makes a massive difference in honoring God or not. What you do with your body, the food that you eat, whether you exercise, and yes, I could lose a few pounds, and Lord help me. I'm glad we're doing 21 days of fasting. <laughs> but I see too many people who just through neglect, too many ministers I'm talking about, when they get to, to my age, they're just, they just not there. They're not able to be at their peak. You know, we're called to honor God with our bodies. And also honor God with our bodies in terms of our sexuality. And not be giving our bodies to do things that we shouldn't do outside of marriage. Can I get an ouch or an amen, please? Amen. Now, I know the traffic is really nice at the moment. But when we come to January in Joburg, will you honor God when that taxi cuts across you? And will you just say, thank you for the fruit of the Spirit in my life? And instead of putting curses on people around you who cut you off, Lord, bless him, bring him to salvation, bring him to every nation rose bank, in Jesus' name, amen. What do you do in moments of frustration? What do you do in moments of provocation? Do you honor God? In your marriage, how you treat your spouse, how you treat your husband, how you love your wife, or in your singlehood, while you're in this phase where you're like, Lord, I don't like it, or I do like it, or this is difficult, will you honor God? In your parenting, moms and dads, don't chase after the mighty dollar, and you're not honoring God by investing and loving. Don't try outsource your parenting to others. Honor God in your parenting. Raise up the next generation well. Maintaining, this is a hard one for me, the, the color of the swimming pool has become a marriage issue for us. <laughs> you can come today, it's blue, it's blue at the moment. <laughs> but we had cement and all kinds of things. But, but you know what? When Jesus Christ conquered sin and death, he rose. When they came to the empty tomb, they found his garments. And you know what? They were folded <laughs> My wife has thrown that scripture at me. <laughs> so, pay your traffic fines, make your bed, <laughs> pay your taxes. Those things that you think are inconsequential. There's certain personality types like mine. I've just had to reorientate my mind and say these things are important. And they're going to catch up on me if I don't do them properly. You know, even your sleeping, some of you need to stop sleeping five hours or four hours a day. God gives sleep to those he loves. And some of you need to just go to bed, stop watching television or YouTube or whatever you're doing because then you're not at your best and you don't honor God. 
G.K. Chesterton said the following, because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, because they want things repeated and unchanged, they always say, do it again, daddy. And the grown-up person does it again till he's nearly dead. <laughs> For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun and do it again to the moon. It may not be an automatic necessity that makes daisies all like. It may be that God makes each daisy separately, but has never gotten tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our Father is younger than we. You know, doing a small thing every day is not a small thing. It's a great thing. And we just need to change our attitudes and say, Lord, everything I do is for your honor. Some of us are good at honoring God when we down and out. And some of us are good at honoring God when we're successful. We are called to honor God in every season. When God prospers you, may you honor him. And I pray that he prospers you. May your desires and your strength and your ambition, and, and even ambition when it's saying, Lord, I want to do this for your honor and glory, is good. It says we should desire the office of an elder. We should desire spiritual gifts. And it goes on. I mean, the implication is for every sphere of life. We should even honor God in our pleasure. You know, there were a bunch of monks who found a way to take ground beans. They're called the capuchin monks. Ground beans and hot milk, and they developed this amazing drink. The capuchin monks called it cappuccino. <laughs> and they said, we're going to do this to the glory of God. The shakers, if you've got shaker furniture, it's like world class. They said, we're going to make furniture for pleasure to the honor of God. Can you have everything of the upside, your desires, your pleasures, can you do all of those to the honor of God? You're running. Eric Little, when he had run, he'd go, I do this to the glory and the honor of God. And then what about your failure? And what about your fears? What about your dark hours? What about in times of anger? What about when you're fighting with your loved one or your unloved one? <laughs> can you do those things to the honor of God? And what about those things that you despise because you think they're small? Can you do them to the honor of God? C.S. Lewis wrote many books. We're familiar with his uh, Chronicles of Narnia. He also wrote the seven, seven books. He also wrote uh, something called the Space Trilogy, which was an adult um, sci-fi book. And in it, he talks about the great dance. And the great dance was, was this medieval theological construct that the stars and the galaxies, they're all singing and they're all worshiping God and, and the planets and coming down to earth, you and me as humans, but the mountains as well and the trees and the forests and the big animals and the small animals and the insects and the microbes and everything is part of the great dance. And I like to see it that way, that we all are playing our role in this great symphony, this great orchestra, this great choir, and we're all honoring Him by the way we live our lives. He also wrote something called Screwtape Letters, which was 
an older demon giving instructions to a younger demon. It sounds horrible, but it's actually a really good book. And he talks about his patience. Okay? You and me, we're the patients. So he's coaching this junior devil, and he says the following, talking about humans. Keep his mind off the most elementary of duties, like picking up your socks, by directing it to the most advanced and spiritual ones. Aggravate the most useful of human characteristics, the horror and neglect of the obvious. He continues, I've had patience of my own. They could be turned at a moment's notice from prayer for a wife's soul to beating their wife without a thought. You know, Gnosticism came into the early church, and it was, there's two forms of Gnosticism. The one was like a rejection of the body. Gnosticism is higher knowledge. The one was a rejection of the body, like just to don't eat, don't care what your body does. The other one was like just indulge in your body completely, you know, eat, whatever. Two extremes. What we do in our body is actually of great importance. It's not just, it doesn't matter. And how we live our lives makes a massive difference whether it honors him or not. Jesus said a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. Can we be a different people? Can we be people who honor Jesus in every way? Can we recognize, as I conclude, that honor is the key for miracles? Honor is the key, is the key for wisdom. Honor is the key for breakthrough. As we honor him through our lives, his favor, his blessing, his hand rests upon us. Let's bow our heads and pray together. If you're here this morning and you know that you are not right with God, maybe you've never surrendered, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, maybe you've fallen away, stuff's happened, you've done things, things have been done to you, and you find yourself outside of, outside of God. Know this. His love is constant towards you. But also know this. There are a finite number of opportunities to come home. And if God is tugging on your heartstrings, then respond today. Because you don't know when He'll tug again. If God is speaking to you and you want to come home, or you want to surrender to Him for the first time, I'm going to ask that you do this. You be decisive and you say, that's me. And I want to come home. If that's you, just lift up your hand and say, I want to come home. I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I want to receive Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. If that's you, just lift up your hand. I can embarrass you, but be decisive about this. I can't see if there's any hands. Lift up your hand high. So I can see. Thank you, sir. Church, can we all stand together? This is just logistical. I'd like to pray for you. Sir, you put your hand up. I'm not going to make you give a speech or anything, but I'd just like to lay my hand on your shoulder and pray for you. I saw one gent. If there's anybody else, won't you come to the front now? I'd love to pray for you. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And uh, we are celebrating because we've all done this narrow path. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Why don't you pray this aloud in church? Why don't you stand with him by praying it aloud too? Lord Jesus, I repent. I turn from doing it my way. And I choose to follow you. Come into my heart. I receive you as my Savior. I declare that you're my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Christian, get with you. Just for five minutes. All right. Church, if, if God spoke to you about some area of your life where you're not honoring him and you want change, then stand with me by just lifting up your hands and, and bring that area before the Lord. So if, you, if you've got an area where you want to honor him and you're not honoring him, then just lift up your hands and, and we're going to pray now for grace. Lord, we come to you with faith and we come to you with humility. Lord, we want to honor you with every aspect of our lives. So as we lift up our hands, we are saying, Lord, help us. We're saying, Jesus, pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Lord, let there be change in our minds, Lord God, change in our habits, change in the way we do things. Lord, may we value the things that you value. Lord, our desire is to honor you with everything, Lord God, with our giving and our receiving, with our seen and our unseen, with our relationships, with everything. And so, Lord, we pray for a change of heart and pray for a change of mind and we pray for a change of habit and we pray above all for your Holy Spirit to come upon us and empower us and quicken us. We ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen and amen. Thank you. Amen.